You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, that's me. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Brett Hall, Cortnall, Campbell, Cujo, Jenny Oates, Brown, Chase, Fuhrer, Zombo, Sezzle, Butcher, Shanny, Tilly, Tuttle, Sutter, Twister, Turcot, Kimball, Turgeon, Baron, Bassin, Pronger, Pearson, Bergevin, Bozon, Al McKinnis, Crabchuck, Howard, Chuck, Petrovicki, Pellerin, Dimitra, Yate, Corson, Conrad, Gretzky. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup near 52, man. Give me a let's go blue. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, your hockey podcast network home for your reigning, nope, they're not reigning, defending, no, they're not defending either, uh, they are your Stanley Cup champions for 2019, but not 2020, the St. Louis Blues. I am one half of your hosting team, Tom Franklin, joined as always by my partner in crime, the man called Wags, and uh, Wags, where, where's all the hockey gone? Uh, it's there but it's not in st louis and it's a little weird because you know we're, we're used to especially after last year a deep playoff run and all of a sudden we're we're not playing anymore it's, it's a little weird it is very weird although it, it, it's it, it it's not so it's not like a new feeling because i feel as blues fans we are used at least in the past to early playoff exits like this. I mean, you know, just think about all those years when Detroit knocked the Blues out in the first and second rounds. The Blues, you know, seem to have like a force field wall to penetrate through to get to the third round. Well, uh, I guess technically they got they got to the second round if you count the round robin, but it's just again, this this playoffs has just been just so weird and you know, we, we we talked a little bit wags when we started that this playoffs was going to be you know, who is the best team, period, because you don't have home ice advantage or home fans or away fans to deal with. Um, as Mike Bill, Mike, as Mike Milbury said, you don't have women to deal with either, but that's a whole nother, you know, ball of wax, you know, and, and he's now stepped away. Thank God for that. Um, we can talk about that a little later. Um, but in the meantime, you know, it's it's one thing I've heard, you know, with, with this Blues team and just, you know, when you're talking about what went wrong in Edmonton, one thing I've heard is that maybe they weren't used to the bubble environment. They didn't really warm up to the bubble environment. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, doesn't that sound like a bit of an excuse to you? Uh, yeah, it was definitely an excuse. But you, know, you look at a guy like Tuka Rask, who got in a couple of weeks and decided to move out as well because he, you know, missing his family as a newborn at home. And a lot of these guys, they, they have that. They have the kids at home. They have their wives. Uh, they, they don't realize exactly what it takes to 
be apart for that long. And then you're also adding into that the, the, the pressure of the playoffs. You don't have anybody to go home to. You don't have anybody to, to kind of vent to or just you know forget hockey for a little bit with. And that's, I think, one of the pieces that really kind of hurt them. And that's the thing about this team is they are they're community-driven, they're family-driven. And when you take all of that away, you know, they just they feel uncomfortable. And, and that's just what ended up happening. And like you said, the best team's going to win this. Not saying the Blues aren't the best team, but there are a lot of really good teams out there. So it's going to take your best effort every night to get there, and, and the Blues just weren't able to bring it. Well, the, I, I, the only counterpoint I'll say to that, though, is that Vegas – is a very fan driven, a very community driven team. I mean, you know, those, I mean, Vegas fans are some of the most hardcore fans, you know, in a very short time that I can think of. They're very passionate about their team. I mean, you know, maybe not the most, you know, knowledgeable yet, but they're getting there. I mean, they're actually, I, a lot of Vegas fans I talk to, they, you know, they're, they're starting to get a good understanding of the game, those that haven't watched hockey before. They're in the bubble. They're the number one team in the West. They're advancing, and everyone is terrified of Vegas right now. They had the same conditions that the Blues did. So one thing that they did that the Blues didn't, they took the round robin seriously. And I think for the Blues, it it, it really just kind of comes down to preparation for me. This All along, this kind of felt like, you know, like if you've ever taken a big test in school. Let's go back to high school. You know, Ooh. you... Yeah, let's get, let's go way back to high school. I'm in Seckman. Uh, you were uh, Pattonville. You were Pattonville. Okay, so so you're in Pattonville. I'm in Seckman. Big test coming up. You didn't study at all. You played Grand Theft Auto when you got home. Didn't didn't do any sort of studying whatsoever. You get to your class early so you can whip out your book and do some cram study like two minutes before the test to, uh, to, takes place. That's how it felt like with this Blues team. They they did not take the round robin seriously. They looked unprepared. They looked a step slower. They didn't play their usual heavy hockey at times. At, at times they did. At, at times they did. But at times they did not. They just did not look like the regular Blues team that we knew. So for me, Wags, I think it just comes down to the fact that they went into this very unprepared. Well, it, it's one of those things that... The style of play that they use, it's hard to really get ramped up to as True. well. And if this, you know, pause didn't happen, the Blues were in their rhythm. They were playing well. They were in first place in the West. I think if this season would have continued out normally, we'd be singing a different tune. Uh, obviously, we probably wouldn't even have been playing Vancouver. But, you know, I just I think that the, the break really did hurt them in a sense. And then they came back and like you said, they didn't take the round robin seriously. I think it was more so that they were looking at it this preseason where, you know, it's a matter of getting guys into the lineup, making sure their systems are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, if you get a win, great. If you don't, it's not really going to affect us. They thought, Oh, it doesn't matter what seed we are. We're, we're going to go in and we're going to play our game. Well, that's not how it works. You, you got to, like you said, like Vegas, you have to take it seriously because yep. it's not the preseason. This is something that's supposed to get you ready for the playoffs, not get you ready for the regular season to get you ready for the playoffs. And they just that's just not what happened. And, and you saw they played great in games three and four. Really, they played great at the end of game two outside of the overtime. But after that, they just, it, it, like, they just didn't play through the entire series. It was really odd. Yeah, it really was, and it was just—it was very odd to watch. And I—and it looked like they were coming out of that. 
during the series with Vancouver looked like, you know, game three and game four, they looked a lot like the Blues of old, the Blues that we knew, but they just could not maintain that. To be fair, that's that's that, that it's it's not all on St. Louis. I thought the Canucks played an incredible series. I thought they got they're, they're, the story of the Canucks this series, it's two stories. Number one, Jacob Markstrom stood on his head. You know, for for a lot of the series, he looked unbeatable at times. Um, that's one issue, and the other issue is uh, while I felt the Blues did an okay job of shutting down the top line of uh, Pedersen, uh, Besser, and Miller, you know, the, the big line that you really are scared of, the bottom six for Vancouver stepped up, and it kind of reminded me a little bit, Wags, of the playoff run last year, where the line of Sunquist, Steen, and Barbashev you know, really at times kind of took over on the ice, it felt like, and they got, and the Blues got that production from their bottom six last year. This year, I, I guess because of injuries and some, you know, lineup shuffling, it didn't, it, it the, the Vancouver success with their bottom six and the Tyler Motts of the world and the Antoine Roussels of the world kind of highlighted how, you know, it just, it, it the Blues just didn't get that from their bottom six like they did last year. Is it surprising that Alexander Steen was a person that was missed in this series? Very. You, I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. And, and I've said it all along, year after year, that it's not the top lines that win you playoff series. It's the guys at the bottom of the lineup, the guys that do the grunt work, the guys that chip in the cheap, trashy goals. Those are the guys that win uh, playoff games for you. I mean, you see it year in and year out. Yes, your, your stars are going to get your points. Your top lines are going to, you know, leads you in certain instances, but for the most part, it does. It comes down to your bottom six. It comes down to your third defensive pairing because those are the guys that normally don't get a ton of ice time. It's going to go up a little bit in the playoffs because you got to rest your stars, and who knows, you go to overtime a couple of times, they're going to see a little bit more ice as well. Uh, it, it's those guys that win you games, and last year it was the Blues' fourth line that did it. This year, Vancouver, their bottom six, they stepped up, and the Blues weren't able to, to match that. Yeah, and, and it, it kind of leads me, and we'll, we'll talk about this uh, in the second half of our podcast when we talk about, you know, maybe as a Blues fan, if you're looking for a team to support, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll run down the options for you. Um, but, you know, you look at the Canucks, uh, a lot of people are saying that Vegas is going to fee-fi-fo-fum over the Canucks this, you know, round and, you know, maybe even sweep them. Uh, I think the Canucks have what it takes to take a couple of games just based on what I've seen. Because, again, it wasn't all the Blues playing – off their game, which was a lot of that. We'll get into, you know, some of the individuals here in a little bit. Um, but I, th- th- this Canucks team, I think, I don't think they beat Vegas in a, in a best of seven, but I think they make it, I, it's not going to be the blowout that I, th- I think people make it out to be. No, it's not. And if Jacob Markstrom continues to play the way he does, it's going to make that series very, very tough. You got to remember Markstrom's playing for a contract. Anytime a guy is playing for a contract, they are going to play well for some reason. It's just how it is. Yeah. They elevate their game. So um, now, granted, I'm not going to say Vegas has a goalie controversy right now, but there's got to be a little bit in the back of the head that maybe makes you have Vegas have a little bit of pause. So, yeah, I think Vancouver could take a couple of games in that series. But like you said, in the end, Vegas is just too deep to, to not win that series versus Vancouver. And I guess I guess one final postmortem on the Vancouver Canucks is that man is that fan base toxic. They are very they are very touchy, you know, on Twitter, uh, Canucks fans. I mean, I I tried to engage some of them early on. That stopped after a while just because it was just like, you know, 
I, I know the NHL has a few fan bases that aren't the greatest. You know, I, we, we, we dealt with Boston's last year, for instance. You know, Boston has a certain way about them. Um, but Boston is just, you know, fury. You know, they're, they're very, you know, very, uh, just very animated, very agitated. You know, they got that barstool sports kind of a, you know, me against the world mentality. So that's, we can deal with that. Uh, we can deal with Chicago fans. I mean, actually, most Chicago fans I know are actually kind of cool. Believe it or not. Yeah, no, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very weird. I'm I, I'm friends with a lot of Hawks fans, and I've never really ever had an issue with a Hawks fan. Uh, Philadelphia is infamous for their fans, but Vancouver just like their angst on Twitter just it, it feels like it comes from a, like a place of self-loathing. You know, it just, it's very whiny, very easy to trigger. Um, so basically, this is a PSA from myself and the Blue Notes family to you. If you ever encounter a Vancouver Canucks fan on Twitter, be prepared for a war, okay? Because they're very touchy, they're very sensitive, and they don't like being picked on, and they might come to your town and burn your car. That they might. And, and that's surprising considering, you know, we were on the large cast before the series started, and those two yeah. guys were great. I mean, Incredible. super knowledgeable, just really, really nice. The guys that run this whole hockey podcast network, Dylan and Isha, they grew up, you know, in, in Victoria, and they're also Canucks fans as well. Perfectly fine to deal with. And, in fact, I even had some Canucks fans tweeting me. It's like, I'm sorry, dude. Like, seriously, like, like, like I apologize on behalf of the fan base. Uh, in fact, I actually got a few, you know, new followers on our Blue Notes Twitter from Vancouver just because, you know, I kept it civil and, you know, I understood where they're coming from. Um, but, yeah, just – I know every fan base has their toxic fans, but uh, Vancouver's – and I guess it just comes from – this. I guess the surprise just comes from the fact that I feel like the Blues don't have a lot of memorable moments with the Vancouver Canucks just in general. I mean, you know, they'll play them a couple times a year, but it's not a divisional game. Um, I mean, yeah, the three-on-O game earlier, you know, the three-on-O breakaway earlier was, was awesome. Um, but – just it, it doesn't it, I've never seen that as a real rivalry and I just I guess I've just never really dealt with Vancouver fans too much yeah you, you don't get a chance to because mainly when they are, are playing in Vancouver it's a super late game and we're all asleep <laughs> exactly exactly and I've made my frustrations on the NHL scheduling very very clear now it comes partly from a place of you know I have to get up at 1 30 in the morning which I know it makes me weird I know I do, not everyone has to get up at 1 32 o'clock in the morning for work so it does come off as sour grapes but I think of all those young fans that the Blues got last year in the in the Stanley Cup run you know the kids that are in elementary school the Layla Andersons of the world and they want to follow their newly found team you know they may not have been fans before the Cup run these are new fans that the NHL should be marketing towards. They should be craving. And you're basically saying with these 9.30 p.m. starts, piss off, kid. You know, that's basically what you're saying because there's, there's not going to be any – Layla Anderson, I, I really doubt she stayed up until 12.30 in the morning on a school night. You know, bless her heart. You know, I know she's a big Blues fan. I know there's – she would do almost anything for this team, but I'm pretty sure her mom would not allow her to stay up to 1230 on a Thursday morning. I mean, school is virtual right now, so maybe they could. Well, yeah, just, just, just turn off the video in, in your, in your uh, Zoom chat, I guess, uh, during class and just put your head on, head on the desk. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I did during high school. <laughs> what um, I'm going to do during college. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. Oh, welcome to Blue Nose, where we teach kids bad habits. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, don't smoke, though. We, 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 we're not going to teach you that one. That's bad. Uh, yes. But, uh, yeah, I just found it just, you know, I, I think if, you know, say, for instance, they put a, you know, like a prime matchup at, like, you know, 930 at night local time instead of the blues. I mean, you, you, we're talking like, what if Vancouver, for instance, you know, maybe, maybe Vancouver games start at 5.30 their time and 7.30 our time. Uh, do you, th- I don't think there's going to be a lot of fans in Vancouver that are just like not going to be fans because of it. You know, I mean, they, we're, we're talking about a, t- a city that is, you know, partly identified by the game of hockey. You know, I mean, I, I, I just, I just, I didn't understand the NHL scheduling process to potentially, I mean, potentially wreck new fandom with these late starts. But I just host, I just host a podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am not in NHL. I'm not in Toronto making these decisions. So, do you, do you think it it helped the Canucks playing at a time that they were more used to um, than it did the Blues? I mean, I know that everybody was up there and they were up there for a while. So, you know, you start to kind of get a little bit used to the time frame and how things are working up there. But Vancouver plays a majority of their games every year yeah. at that time, our time. So, you know, is that a, was that a benefit for Vancouver slightly? I mean, it's not going to be a huge benefit, but something has to be where they feel comfortable because their routines are the same. They didn't have to change anything, start anything early, start anything later. Whereas the blues, they only have to deal with that when they go on their West coast trips and they play a lot, most of their games in the central time zone. And I know that every playoff year there's that as well, but every game except one was at 930 our time. And so it's that, not like they were flip-flopping it between home teams too. And the one that wasn't was on a Friday night. Yeah. I mean, we could have stayed up late for that. That's fine. It's Friday. It's what you do, you know? At least- well, I don't. I got to open on Saturdays. And, you know. Oh, man. Stupid work getting in the way. Just so stupid, 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 stupid. Just, just start paying us. I don't have to do that. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, come on, Ish. Come on, Dylan. Come on. Let's get those sponsorships in. Come on. Let's get that Patreon going. We do have a Patreon, <laughs> by the way, the Hockey Podcast Network, the search for it and Patreon. We make content. We just did an after hours this past weekend. Uh, no, I was not a part of it. I uh, was otherwise tied up. And I, I like to think I'm still recovering from my Kraken-induced hangover from, you know, about a month ago. So um, at least my dignity is anyway. So, you know, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Um, but, you know, some other issues that come up here, I put on the board here, the top one right here. It's not Jordan Bennington's fault. I don't think I, I could he have played better. Sure. Um, but I think the ultimate issue when it comes to, you know, Bennington, you know, and, and who you point the finger at, you got to point the finger at the shaky defense. I mean, they, they did Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington. No, no favors in this series. They looked very unstructured. You had moments where you had like Gunnarsson and Petro on the same side of the ice, and you have, you know, the streaking comet that is, you know, Bo Horvat, you know, going towards the goalie. I mean, I don't care if you're Patrick Wall or Jesus, you know, you're going to have a hard time, you know, when your defense just leaves you hanging out to dry. Uh, so it was not Bennington's fault, but there's been a lot of criticism, Wags, towards Bennington and some concerns that, uh, it maybe the clock has struck 12 on Bennington. Do you agree with that? It's hard to say. I mean, we've only seen essentially a year and a half of him playing. And yes, the, 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 the half a year was 
unbelievable because they won a Stanley Cup and he had a sub two goals against average and just looked unworldly. Yeah. And this year he kind of looked he kind of looked mortal. He looked he looked like Jake Allen did for most of his career in St. Louis, where you know solid goaltender put up good goals against a decent save percentage, didn't win you as many games as, as you were expecting him to win, but it. it it did really look a little suspect in the in the round robins and in the first round. I mean, I think he had something like a seven seventy nine save percentage. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not good. And Jake no. Allen essentially outplayed him. Right. But once again, it goes back to was this team really invested and comfortable in the bubble? Well, I mean, if Bennington wasn't comfortable or, or particularly invested, and I'll be perfectly honest, I wouldn't be invested if my defense was you know, just allowing what they allowed to come in down. You know, he's, he can't save everything. Yeah, we saw that for years with Jake Allen. I think that's yeah. one reason why Jake Allen kind of had some of the psychological issues that he's had. You know, he's, he's always been a goalie that has there, – there's nothing wrong with him physically. He is physically everything you would want in a goalie. He's, he's a good-sized goalie. Um, you know, he's, he's, he, he generally plays well, but it's always between the ears with him, which kind of leads me to Bennington. Um, you know, we, we've always looked at Jordan Bennington as this kind of immovable rock of a, of a personality where nothing bothers him. He's never nervous. Um, you know, and, he, and the, one of his defining characteristics in 2019 was his ability to bounce back from adversity and bounce back from bad losses. Maybe he allows a bad goal, then he shuts the team, other team down the rest of the way. Um, do you? I, I I've often wondered with Bennington because you know he seems like a guy that does enjoy being you know like the the number one and being you know kind of the subject of you know fan adulation. Uh, I wonder if the do you think maybe the lack of fans and I'm talking about human fans, not like the metal fans that they brought out you know for you know a couple of games. Do you think the lack of fans and maybe the that that lack of crowd noise and ambiance maybe played against Bennington a little bit? It probably did. Uh, you know, I made a, a statement that basically said it didn't really matter if fans were in the arena anyway because these guys are out there playing the game. But, you know, they were so good on the road last year in the playoffs. And, yeah, maybe Jordan Bennington feeds on that, just that neg- negativity. You know, teams, fans booing him and just being – I want to say being the villain – but being the guy that everybody looks at and goes, man, I hate that guy because he beat yeah. us. And, and they vocalize that. So, yeah, I definitely think that there's a, a, a nugget of truth to that. Um, I still think they should have been able to just go out there and play because, I mean, like I said, it's like the Winter Classic. Fans were distanced at the Winter Classic. And, yes, they only played in one of them. And Jordan Bennington didn't even play in it. But, I, it's, it, yeah, he, he probably just wasn't able to get into that mindset. And that's I think that's how the entire team felt. You know, I, I would have thought – it's 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 a game. Go out there and play it. But yeah, the intensity level when you don't have fans on either side screaming at you, it it, it might have it might drop that intensity level, and that's why the Blues just couldn't get up for the games. By the way, speaking of the goaltenders, you know, of course, the Blues have uh, kind of a decision to make this off season. You know, they have a few decisions to make, and that might affect the future of Jake Allen in St. Louis. Uh, but uh, guess what, Wags? We finally. 314-329-4349. Someone called the Blue Notes fan line. Finally. We've been pushing it for months, and someone finally called. Thank you. to who, I, Actually, I know who called it. <laughs> uh, but, 
we uh this was actually he actually asked this before the non-thursday episode we that we, we couldn't do just because we were all just in, incapacitated afterwards um but he asked this about uh the bennington allen conundrum let's uh take a listen Well, guess what? Now it doesn't want to play for me. Oh. With the most blues thing they could do with the whole Jake Allen thing. And hear me out. What if they like the most blue thing they do this offseason is trade Bennington and keep Allen? What if they trade Bennington instead of Allen? I, do you, first of all, do you think that's going to happen? No, because if anything, Allen has more trade value than Jordan Bennington right now. I mean, he, he bounced back, played, had a great year, and – Two of the three games he was in was phenomenal. Uh, and really, game five, he wasn't terrible. Once again, going back to that shaky defense. So I think, if anything, Jake Allen has more trade value than Jake Allen, uh, than Jordan Bennington, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I still don't see how they trade either one of those, even if that means re-signing Petrangelo, because I don't think Petrangelo is re-signing here anyway. And you're going to really go into next season with, if you trade Jake Allen, you're going to go into next season with Jordan Bennington, who can win you a cup or can't. And your backup is Billy Husso, who hasn't really shown much in the NHL level because he hasn't had a chance to. So you're essentially rolling the dice once more with your goaltending situation. And if it blows up in your face, now you're sitting in a spot where you're wasting the best years of Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen and possibly Jaden Schwartz and Colton Pareko. And, you know, Justin Falk to an extent if Falk plays the way he did in this series. I mean, it, I would say, you know what, keep, keep the cards close to the vest. Don't trade either one of them. Make sure you have a solid backup, whoever it is, between Allen and Bennington. Yeah, no Chad and, Johnson and, this time. No, no, no Chad Johnson. And that's, that's <laughs> the other thing that hurt Jake Allen was he needs that guy that's going to push him to yeah. be better. And we saw it with Hutton. We saw it with Elliott. I wouldn't call either of those guys – solid number one goaltenders. I know they definitely but, wouldn't call L, uh, Hutton that in Buffalo. No, not at all. So, <laughs> you know, you just need somebody that can be that 1A, 1B to where they both push each other, they have great games, and then, yeah, maybe Allen gets the majority of the starts, but because he knows he has somebody that can come in and take over for him if he were to falter, it's just gonna, it pushes him to be better. And I just think that you need both these guys here. And, yes, you're paying a whole lot of money for two goaltenders, but – as we just saw, you're going to need goaltenders to win in the playoffs, and the Blues weren't able to get that this year because of the defense. Right, and and I and to my 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 friend's point there, I don't think they're going to trade Bennington. They may trade Allen, but then as you said, it kind of puts this empire that Doug Armstrong has built on top of shifting sands. You know, because you're going to have you know a backup that you're not too sure about. Um, and then you're also, I mean, if Petro still walks, you know, I mean, that's, that's going to be another issue that needs to be, you know, dealt with. Maybe Vince Dunn goes away, you know, because he's a restricted free agent. And I thought if there was any Blues defenseman that needed to be call out, called out for their play in the Vancouver series, and there's a couple that you could probably point the finger at, I'm pointing my first finger at Vince Dunn. Because there was time, I mean, there was times where he did not look like an NHL caliber defenseman. He looked like Derek Pouliot at times. He did. And that's the thing that I've been pushing for a while now is that, you know, Dunn has a lot of offensive ability, but 
offensively, he hasn't grown. He's still shooting pucks into shin pads. He has not yeah. learned to shoot around people. Defensively, he has not been good. And you're at a point now where you have to start making the decisions on what you want this team to look like going into the future. And we've got a guy coming up next year named Scotty Perunovich who markets himself as possibly even an even better Vince Dunn type of guy. So I'm of the mindset that, you know, Vince Dunn's a guy that's going to walk. Petrangelo is going to be a guy that's going to walk. And you're just going to have to roll with it. And, you know, you're going to have a a, a Pareko top pairing with Scandella, who I know he had a bad playoff, but there's still something about that that pairing it was so good in the regular season. He stepped yeah. right in to that Bo Meester spot, and they played well. I think it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Then you got Justin Falk, who played very well against Vancouver. And if he can feel comfortable and continue that, all of a sudden you've got another – you've got a second pair guy that will actually – I mean, you pair him with Perunovic, I think you got something there. And then that third pairing of, you know, whoever it may be, Gunnarsson, Bortuzzo, you got Mikola, you've got uh, Jake Wallman who might – possibly make this team so you've got options and I think they might be better options than Vince yeah, Dunn I agree and it, it, first of all it's very telling when you can say the words Justin Falk was the Blues most consistent defenseman in that Vancouver series with a straight face yeah you not get laughed at <laughs> exactly exactly I and in his defense I, I I think he I hope this is the the Justin Falk we see going forward um, you know, he looked very good on that goal that he got. He darted towards the net, uh, got into the slot and just, and just cranked it. I mean, that's kind of his game. And I don't know why Baruby pushed him away from that so much. It was, it just, it seemed very weird. I mean, I, he seems like a guy that you, you, you play to the strengths a little bit and then you adapt around them a little bit. Um, it just, it, it's, I, and I think that was a lot of his issues was just, you know, it just, it, he had to adapt to the blues and, and the blue just and not the other way around. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see how Falk looks next year. Um, but you know, with with Dunn, I mean, he's a guy that he's still young. He does put in goals. I mean, yes, he's you know maybe not the most creative shooter, but he is a offensive you know presence. You know, and I think there's a lot of teams that would love to have a Vince, Vince Dunn on their team. Um, I think uh, our Devils uh, host, uh, Neil Viapano on the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, he, uh, I don't know if he was drunk when he sent me this or not, but he suggests like a first and a second for Vince Dunn. Um, I don't think he'll get that much, but maybe a late first. You know, I mean, like I, I could see like a, like Montreal seems to have, you know, seems to always be needing defensemen. Like, you know, I think Gabriel Foley suggested um, yeah. Dunn, Dunn, Dunn to Montreal, you know, a few weeks ago. So, um, by the way, you want to talk about a guy that's very high on Prunovich, Gabriel Foley, last word on puck. Uh, so I, I, I think the Blues are high on Prunovich. I know they're high on Mikola. I, I think they want to see what he can do in a full season. I would not be surprised if he features on this team one way or another. If it's not done, that's moved out. Maybe it's time to move Gunnarsson out, you know, because he looked, you know, Gunnarsson's the type of defenseman where he's never going to wow you. I mean, except for that one, you know, goal that he had against Boston last year, which was, you know, rare. Um, but he's the type of, you know, I have a friend from Toronto, and I remember when the Blues acquired Carl Gunnarsson, uh, I was told that Gunnarsson is the type of defenseman that you'll never really notice because he's, he plays a very simple, basic game. He generally does what he needs to do, but you only notice him when he screws up. And we noticed him a lot this uh this series so 
Uh, he's a guy that I kind of would we be worrying about having a roster spot next year, just depending on how things work out this offseason. Uh, but, you know, getting back to Dunn, and, and this kind of gets me to my third point here, another issue the Blues had was they needed someone to step up. You know, they needed, they needed you know, like, like Gunnarsson getting that goal, you know, against Boston, that, or like Pat Maroon, you know, you know, stuffing it in past Ben Bishop. You know, they needed someone like that to step up. I thought Vince Dunn would have, would have been a great candidate for that because he does have that kind of game-breaking ability, uh, at least on offense anyway. Um, but it just it, it felt to me, Wags, that there was really I – mean, even – I thought Perron played fine. I thought Schwartz played fine. But th- I was waiting for someone to step up, and no one ever did. Yeah, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly had the one goal, but he – I wouldn't say he disappeared because I know he was working, working his ass off. But, you know, not hearing the O'Reilly name a whole lot, not hearing Braden Shen's name hardly at all. Those are the guys that were the bread and butter last year. Zach Sanford was a guy that, that honestly, if that was going to be a candidate to step up, would have, my pick would have been Zach Sanford. I thought yeah. he was going to do some stuff. Um, I mean, I thought Robert Thomas was going to be an X factor in this series, and Vancouver really held him in. He, he had some moments, but you really didn't hear a whole lot of him. Right. Sammy Blay, I think Sammy Blay played, played pretty well. Um, but once again, he dealt with some injuries. Um, you know, he was able to come back from pretty much all of them, but still just the fact that you're not sure if he's going to make it through a game, that worries me a little bit. And I was really hoping he'd step up into that Pat Maroon role because you had him, Bozak, and Thomas on a line, and that was exactly the line that you would have had, and Sammy Blay has a little bit more skill than Pat Maroon. So it, there was just a lot of question marks and, and not enough answers in this series. And I continue to be wanting more from Zach Sanford. And – at times he looked I mean he looked very dangerous on offense at times but like in the case of the of, of one of the goals that they allowed later in the series where he's pinching on the boards but like you know being very soft about it, and then you know Vancouver gets that break uh, there was there was the, the thing with Sanford is that he can be very soft um, and I you know it, it just there's something about big guys who play as soft as a you know uh, package of Charmin toilet paper uh, that bugged the hell out of me, and and Zach Sanford kind of bugs the hell out of me. He he did have a kind of a breakout year this year. I will say this: he was probably on pace to be a twenty goal scorer this year, which those guys don't grow on trees, you know. So I mean, I, I still think he has a place on this team. Um, which this time a year ago I may have been you know saying otherwise, but you know, so at least he's grown in that regard. But he needs to toughen up a little bit. You know, he, yeah. you know, he just he has the makings, I think, of a potentially decent power forward. But I think maybe that ship has sailed. Yeah, he needs to put on some more muscle mass. I think that's the biggest thing. He's I wouldn't say he's scrawny, but he is a skinnier type of player. Right. So that, that's that's the worrisome. That, that was the, the, the knock on him when he came over in the Shattenkirk deal was that you know he's a guy that has some talent, but he needs to put on some weight and some muscle to really become incredibly effective. And he had a good postseason run last year especially against Boston he played very well against the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final and like you said he played well this year but he's still not as aggressive I think as you want him to be you he's tall and lanky I'm tall and lanky I go to the front of the net I don't see Zach Sanford going to the front of the net you know you got to be you got to get those grimy goals and you know he wants to be the guy that gets those fancy ones so you hear that Zach Sanford be grimy like wags be very grimy I mean, I do stink because I did just come from a game. So grimy is, that fits. 
<laughs> Wags always in hockey mode. That's that that that's why that's why I love having you as a co-host. Um, by the way, uh, we have been uh, going for uh, actually over about thirty-five minutes. We have not said the words Vladimir Tarasenko at all. That and and that I feel is kind of the elephant in the room as far as if you're talking about the Petros or the Duns or do you trade Jake Allen or don't trade Jake Allen. The seven and a half billion dollars of cap space occupied by Vladimir Tarasenko, the man with a shoulder made of glass, um, you know, that looms large because we don't know. We truly don't know what his status is going forward. We, we, he went back to St. Louis to get his shoulder looked at. We have not heard any updates as, as of recording time as to what the prognosis is. Um, if it is another surgery needed, that's going to be an issue. If it's not going to be surgery needed, but if Vladimir just has the yips going forward, that's a concern, you know, and, and it, it was very telling when, you know, Jeremy Rutherford mentioned this uh, in one of his athletic articles last week, the only player uh, blues player that suited up this playoffs, including round Robin that did not register a hit was Vladimir Tarasenko. Zero hits. And we had, we had talked a little bit going into this playoffs about how well you have been, you know, bragging about Tarasenko's two-way skills and how, you know, he has, you know, kind of, you know, he's starting to chip in more on defense. And no, Tarasenko is not a banger. You know, he's never going to be a big banger. Um, but he does, he, he, he historically has chipped in. So I, I guess it's just like, what, what's, what do you think is going to happen with Vladimir? Because I'm kind of at a loss. Yeah, I am as well. And, and just kind of thinking back on it and looking at what was going on, you know, he missed out on proper rehab because of the whole COVID thing. You know, he couldn't go to the team facility. So the rehab looks a little different than it would have normally. Um, yes, he was on track to come back at the end of the regular season to get into the playoffs. But it just seems like, you know, the lack of, of a proper rehab and not really knowing and feeling like he was able to play in a game and not know what, you know, what it was like to take a hit or to throw a hit. It, it got into his mind probably. And, and he did not want to re-injure that shoulder. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this. I really, really have. I was talking about this. I, uh, I was, I was thinking about this uh, and talking to somebody about this about a week ago. I'm going to make a bold prediction that the blues will seek to trade Vladimir Tarasenko this off season. Even if he's healthy, even if he's healthy. You think you think this is trying to avoid future disaster with him, with a seven and a half million dollar time uh, price tag? Yeah, I mean this this team is Ryan O'Reilly's team now. It's Braden Shen's team. These guys have been signed to long term contracts. Uh, you're going to have to sign Pareko long term here very very soon. Um, you're you're going to have you know like a, a Perunovic coming up. You have to think about what you're going to do with Jaden Schwartz as well. Um, I know it's I know it sounds absolutely batshit crazy. But, you know, we've gotten to this point now where he, he hasn't really – we haven't really seen him a whole lot the last couple of years due to injury. And you may want to just try and figure out the best way to recoup some of that money if, if you don't think he's going to get back to his normal self. And we talked about this over the summer. I mean, you know, did we overvalue Vladimir Tarasenko as well? Yeah. I, I'm not going to say that he's a bad player. He's a great player. His, his snapshot is one of the best in the league. Uh, but he's – He's not being put in the position on this team, I think, to really be wildly successful. 
You know, they still continue to put him in the Ovechkin spot on the power play. That's not the play that he needs to be doing. Um, it just it just seems like he's not fitting with the style that Barubi has brought in. And that might be the question that they're going to have to ask is, do we continue to roll with Barubi and his style? Or do we take who is potentially a, a superstar and mold the team around him and his style? And, and that's the question they're going to have to ask. And I, I think they're going to go the direction of Barubi. Yeah, and, and it, it's kind of giving me shades and, and flashbacks to TJ Oshie in St. Louis where, you know, by the time TJ Oshie was traded, it was, you know, you're talking about the role that the Blues are playing Tarasenko in. Um, it wasn't, it just wasn't going to work out for Oshie in St. Louis, period. It just, it just, it was, it was a square peg in a round hole situation and he needed to move on. I do kind of wonder that about that with Tarasenko as well, whether it's, it, it's time for him to move on. I don't think he wants to. I think he oh, likes no. St. Louis. Uh, he, this is where his family is. Um, so I, I, I honestly, my bold prediction, you know, when he gets sent home, when you, when you leave the bubble and you get sent home to have your shoulder looked at and you're looking down the barrel of a third surgery, I, I have a fear that Tarasenko will start the next season on the physically and un- unable to perform list. He'll be pupped. And he, I, I honestly, I don't think he's going to be the next Marion Hosa or Nathan Horton. You know, just in, I don't think he's ever going to be truly dead, dead, con, dead, dead money. You know, I think there's a possibility he does come back. But I'm looking at the possibility of once again the Blues being without Tarasenko, and he gets put on the pup list. You know, which which would mean cap savings. You know, I mean that's, um, you know that 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 would help them. You know, maybe resign a Dunn or resign Petro or you know, make some other changes. Um, and if he is, you know, if he misses all next year, then maybe you expose him. Like we talked about last week to Seattle, you know, if he, if he is damaged goods and that way you save, you know, a, a young gun that you have. I mean, uh, we know Costin's going to be, he's not eligible to be drafted. Uh, Cairo is maybe, maybe he gets protected now. Maybe, uh, maybe Barbashev gets protected now, you know, so, some of those vital third liners that we're talking about here. Um, so I guess, I guess this is me just looking for a silver lining in all of this, but, uh, I'm really worried about Tarasenko's viability going forward and, you know, kind of evokes memories also of like Wayne Babich, you know, a guy that was a part of our, uh, um, you know, a bracket of our own, you know, during the lull, um, you know, he had that one great year for the blues and he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. And that was because he had a shoulder injury. Uh, his was a rotator cuff. It was, it was, it's different from Tarasenko, but the, Shoulders can be very tricky, you know, especially for hockey players because so much of, you know, the game of hockey, and if you're talking about checking or you're talking about getting checked, uh, even just, you know, being able to shoot the puck or pass the puck, you know, a lot of that goes into your shoulder. So it's, it's, it's concerning for sure. I don't have the answers. Wags doesn't have the answers. So I guess we just got to sit here and pray. Yeah, and you look at – you talk about shoulders – the, the play where Tarasenko re-injured his shoulder that required the surgery last year was so benign. I mean, it was him kind of trying to brush a guy off. It wasn't a hard check or anything like that. It was just a slight movement, and it went the wrong way, and he has to, do, he has to have surgery. So it, the, the shoulders are very, very finicky, and, and I, I hope we're both wrong. I hope that Tarasenko comes out at the beginning of next year with a mission 
that he's pissed off that he had to leave the bubble and that they didn't advance. And he goes out there and scores, you know, 20 goals in the first 25 games or something to that, of that nature. I just, I hope that's the case, but it's starting to look more bleak as we continue to go on, especially that we haven't heard anything. He's been out of the bubble for over a week now and we have not heard anything about the doctor's visit. And that's something that's concerning as well. Yeah, it's very concerning. Of course, you know, by the time you listen to this, maybe there's some news that comes out. Uh, I, you know, but I, I don't, I just don't see it being good news. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but we'll just have to, as I said, uh, uh, wait and see. Um, all right, what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to take a quick timeout, uh, tell you about a new podcast that is a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, going into the, uh, I guess, infrequently ventured waters of European hockey. Uh, the uh, hosts of uh, Brits on Bruins are leaving that post to start the Europuck podcast, and we already have a, uh, a sneak peek at it. We'll uh, hear that and then pay some bills, thanks to our friends at Manscaped. And then when we come back, now that the Blues are out of the playoffs, who should we support as Blues fans? Uh, we'll make our cases, and we'll also uh, get to uh, have the debut, the long-awaited debut for various reasons, of uh, the train wreck that they call him down in New Orleans. He is a uh, New Orleans St. Louis Blues fan with St. Louis roots. He is hunkering down, getting ready for not one, but two tropical systems to uh, come up the Mississippi Delta. And uh, we're going to hear from him, and uh, uh, he'll also give us uh, some, uh, some of his playoff picks uh, for who we should support going forward. It's all coming up down the pike here on Blue Notes. Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. This episode of the Blue Notes Podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? You know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. Have you ever wished she was smoother down there? She probably has too. If you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below-the-belt. Manscaped has us covered. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Whew! One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates growing areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's insane! If you're listening to me speak right now, you're one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will 
Thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping again with promo code THPN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code THPN. The best in men's below-the-belt grooming. notes the man from new orleans the man who is staring down the barrel of not one but two tropical systems right now but he's taking some time to talk to you blues fans it is the man that in the hold the mail universe they simply call the train wreck what's going on train wreck tom thanks for having me man i'm finally you know glad i can finally be on uh you know, this isn't really my normal setup or backdrop. My laptop and AirPods are not available to me right now, so we're doing this from the phone. But uh, you know, we're gonna make it work. So I'm I'm glad to be here, and uh, you know, pissed off that we don't have a game to play tomorrow. But you know, yeah, there, there there's a giant void of hockey right now that I think we're both feeling. But you know what? You, you know, as a Blues fan, uh, train wreck that. We're, we should be used to this because this happens, you know, every year except for last year where we have to deal with the bitter disappointment of an early exit. So uh, before we get into the rest of the playoffs here and how Blues fans should occupy their energies and time, uh, man, what's, what's, what's the vibe down in New Orleans right now with, the, with these storms coming up? I mean, is, is, are we in full panic mode yet? Uh, surprisingly enough, we're not in full panic mode yet. Uh... A lot of people, it's not necessarily people aren't taking it seriously because they are. I mean, my girlfriend even went to the store at 730 this morning, bought a bunch of non-perishables, and we're stocking up right now. I mean, there's people's cars already parking on the median and the neutral ground because, you know, even a slightly bad rainstorm, the city will flood. Yep. And so, uh, but I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's weird, especially too with all the corona stuff. Uh I don't know. It's just a different vibe this hurricane season as well. And with not one, but two coming our way, I mean, right now the latest projections have them missing us just a little bit. So it may not be too direct impact and we're praying for that. But I mean, I'd be lying if I said this city's prepared and our water pumps can handle this, but you know, at this point it's just a waiting, waiting game here. So, I mean, the vibes are up. I mean, you know, the city's resilient, it's full of spirit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, we just got to wait and see. We'll know more by tomorrow. Well, and, of course, your comrade at Hold the Mayo, uh, uh, Craig Granger, he lives in Lake Charles, which is, you know, for those of you that don't know where that is, that is on the west end of Louisiana near the Texas border. And uh, he's looking like that. He's going to get hit pretty hard by this, at least by one of these storms anyways. So I'm expecting on ripping Biscuits, you know, next week that he's going to be, like, you know, phoning in from his kayak. That or he's going to have his two cats with him. Uh, you know, anybody can survive a hurricane. I know it's Craig. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, he he's one of those guys I think could survive a nuclear fallout. Yeah, you know, he would. He'd be a little sewer rat. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, all right, so the Blues are out of the playoffs. We need to figure out, okay, sh- which team should we throw our allegiance and our energy behind if we do it all? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe some of us are just going to switch off the playoffs and uh, – you know, maybe go into Cardinals baseball mode. Uh, we're not going to do that here at Blue Notes. At least I won't anyway. Um, I, hockey is, is my religion after all. So let's take a look at some of the teams that are still left 
in this playoffs here. And we'll start in the Western Conference. When, when, you, when you hear the words Vegas Golden Knights, what kind of reactions come out of you? I'm kind of a little impartial. I don't have a deep, true hatred for the Golden Knights just because, you know, they're freshly, you know, pretty freshly new team. They have a, you know, they're, you know, the expansion draft went really well for them. I mean, God, they made it to the finals for God's sakes their first year. Yeah. And I think that's where it kind of draws the line for me because like, oh, it would have been cool to see them win the finals in their first year as a team, but it's just now they're another enemy. And so, I mean, Vegas, I mean, I think they have what it takes. I mean, flower and gold, man. I mean, you can never count that man out. And, they, you know, they got former Blues. They got Stasny and they got Ryan Reeves on their team too. So, I mean, I guess that's a, you know, loose association Blues fans can have with that. But other than that, that's as far as my, uh, my ties go with them. What about you, Wags? Yeah, they're scary. They've got two goaltenders in, in Flower and Leonard that are just really, really good right now. They're playing out of their minds, and I'm pretty sure the Hawks are sitting there going, wow, I cannot believe we had to face the guy that was our backup in the playoffs this year and, and get beat by them. Yeah, they're, they're scary. Now that Mac Pacioretty is back, uh, it gives them added depth uh, on that top line especially. And, yeah, I'm partial to Stassi and Reeves. I, I really hope that they have a chance to lift the cup. But I don't know. I just – I don't like the smugness of Vegas. They just they just seem so smug. And, and it's not to say anything about their fans because the fans are – for everybody that I've interacted with, the fans are great. But just the team itself just seems like a giant smug-looking face. I just want to punch it. So that that's – you know, I don't like Vegas. Wow. Okay, true feelings coming out here. Man, I didn't, I didn't know Vegas <laughs> drew that kind of reaction out of people. That, that's amazing. Love they the shouldn't team. have gone to the finals in the first year. <laughs> it, 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 they broke the hockey rules, I guess. Uh, Unwritten yeah. rules. <laughs> Unwritten rules. <laughs> But you know, see, here's here's the funny thing because it's 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 looking very likely that Vegas is going to be the team that I back going the rest of the way. You have actually three former St. Louis Blues on the team. You mentioned Paul Stastny. You have Ryan Reeves, who is one of my all-time favorites. I actually, I in my 31 team NHL jersey collection, I made sure that my Vegas jersey is a Ryan Reeves for a reason. And then the third blue was William Carrier, who is a bottom six forward for them. You may have forgotten, and, you know, I don't blame you for, for this, but he was drafted by the Blues in the second round uh, earlier in the 2010s. He was traded to Buffalo in the Ryan Miller trade. He was like the young prospect that was sent that way along with uh. and uh, Chris Stewart. So um, so there, you got the St. Louis connections there. Um, I like Robin Leonard a lot. I like I, his story of how he has overcome mental health and, you know, illnesses and just, you know, he, he seems like a really good feel good story. I think he's probably even in the position to where I think Vegas was looking at him as a rental. And now they're looking at maybe making him the guy going forward, especially after, um, you know, that Alan Walsh tweet where, you know, they, you know, the flurry with the sword going through his back. Did you, did you see that train wreck? No, I didn't. Yeah, so, so yeah, his agent, Alan Walsh, who was a noted rabble-rouser, you know, posts a uh, Photoshop picture of Flurry, oh, uh, okay. and then he's got a sword on his uh, going through his back, and, and the sword says DeBoer, which is the name of their, their coach, as if DeBoer backstabbed. Now, Walsh mm-hmm. deleted that tweet this morning, and Flurry's come out and said he's focused on hockey, yada, yada. Yeah, I read yada. about it. I didn't see it. Yeah, it, it, it's it, – 
that might be a messy divorce coming up, which is surprising because Flurry's very popular in Vegas and he seems to have embraced mm-hmm. that city. So, but, it, but regardless of that, uh, there's also a personal reason that I'm also supporting Vegas is it's because one of my really good friends in radio, I work with in South Bend, Indiana, he's a big Chicago Blackhawks fan. I mean, he is, die- he is as dyed in the wool for the Blackhawks as I am for the Blues. And we got kind of tired of bickering at each other. Because, I mean, we're both big hockey fans, but we found it very hard to communicate with one another just because, um, you know, he's a Blackhawks fan. I'm a Blues fan. And um, he spent some time in Vegas. And when Vegas was announced as the expansion team, he said that he was going to make them his second team. And early on, whoever was running the social media account for the Vegas Golden Knights was absolutely killing it. So it's like, so I went to him. It's like, you know what? We need to have a mutual rooting interest. We need to have a mutual rooting interest. Let's let's end the hate. You know, let's both be Golden Knights fans. So that's how Vegas is my second team. Um, I'm picking them personally. Uh, Wags is definitely not. Uh, Traina seems kind of in between us in that regard. Is that is that right, Trainwreck? Pretty pretty neutral on them. I feel very meh about them. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And then their opponents, the team that knocked the Blues out of the playoffs, the Vancouver Canucks, who, by the way, and I, and I looked this up before uh, we started recording here, uh, no St. Louis Blues connections on the team whatsoever. They are completely devoid of St. ex-St. Louis Blues players right mm-hmm. now. So if you're, looking, if you're looking at a team support based on, you know, former Blues players, that's not going to be your team. Um, but have an underdog story this year i think they've come out of nowhere they played very well um but their fan base sucks so i will not be supporting vancouver at all just because of their fan base uh, whoever that jimmy chin bot is that comments on every nhl post that guy can screw right off uh, i i i i haven't met this guy who uh, who is this guy so he literally on every team like no matter what the score is anytime an nhl team, he did this in the regular season too They'll post in Twitter, you know, the losing team will post the final score. And it literally goes copy and paste something like this. He's like, for example, the Blues. The Blues finally play a good team and they get exposed for the trash organization that they are. <laughs> By the way, Vancouver Canucks are the best team in the league. Have fun watching them play hockey in September. And dude, you can go look at every team's Twitter. He's under there, man. He is a freaking bot. I don't advocate the burning of other people's cars, but this guy <laughs> sounds like a candidate. Yes, yes. So that's uh, so I just guess I'll dive in here with the Canucks. It's very tough for me to root for a team that knocked us out of the playoffs. I mean, given you know, just still salty about that. But I mean, Fair. the Vancouver, we got outplayed. They were the better team. No, no hard feelings there. I'm a really big fan of Quinn Hughes, young guy. You know, I mean, something about you know seeing these young guys kind of step up. You know, and especially in a series with all these older guys. Uh, you know, I kind of like seeing the young raw talent out there. And I mean. If it wasn't for this Jimmy Chin guy, I would honestly maybe root for them, but he has ruined it for me, and I hope the Canucks get swept. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about you, Wags? Um, I like the youth as well. Uh, I'm a big Brock Besser fan. Uh, I like Eli- Elias Pettersson. I like Quinn Hughes. Uh, but I-, I can't root for him at either because they employ the services of Tyler Toffoli, and he's a former <laughs> king. And I, I just, I despise anybody that comes from the Kings organization, not named Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, so just the fact that Toffoli is even mentioned as being part of their team, I just, I just cannot in any way, shape, or form support them. 
All right, I, I feel we need to bore into this a little bit here, Wags. What is your beef with the Kings? They're just – they seemed like they were always cheap. They seemed like they had that L.A. mentality of we're better than you no matter what. Um, and, and it just – I don't know. They, they just – they were pesky in a way that made you pissed off. Not like some other teams where they're like, oh, that's a pesky team. I, I can get behind their style of play. They just – they just they screamed Hollywood to me, obviously being from L.A., but they screamed Hollywood in a sense where you're just like, yeah, they thumb their noses at everybody no matter what the score or who they're playing. I just I don't like that at all. There was no humbleness to them or anything like that. And they, they took the whole we were the eighth seed and won a Stanley Cup way too far. And yep. I, just, yeah. I, don't, I just don't like L.A. Yeah, I think that uh, that championship all of a sudden, you know, brought out all the quote-unquote lifelong L.A. hockey fans, you know, which I, I, know the L, I know the Kings have been around for a long time, but I, I just I, – I can't get used to L.A. as a hockey market. Even with Gretzky, you know, even with the Stanley Cup, it's just – I'm kind of with you on that, Wags, but I don't hate them. I just – they're just kind of like they're, – they're, they're irrelevant to me. I, I feel like I, – I feel like the I, – I, what I feel about the Kings is what – train wreck feels about the, the golden knights just kind of <laughs> eh. meh. yeah very meh very meh <laughs> all right moving on to uh colorado uh the colorado avalanche uh two former blues eric johnson and ian cole um colorado also put up a six pack on the st louis blues during the round robin have generally given the blues issues you know especially you know back this dates back to the regular season where we learned that apparently jordan binnington cannot play in denver uh, at least not play very well anyway. The altitude gets to him, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I, I, guess, <laughs> I, I guess he does get nervous in the uh, altitude. Well, um, I mean, low altitude and all that pot smoke. I mean, yeah. that's right. that combination. Rocky Mountain very, High. It's very cloudy in Denver, if you know what I mean. Very cloudy, yes, definitely. Um, but uh, I, 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 don't, I don't really have an opinion one way or another on Colorado, um, which, which I guess might surprise some fans just because the Blues and Avs has, has some interesting tilts. The only thing I will say is that I cannot support a Kroenke-owned team. Um, and so, therefore, it, you know, players aside, abs, F no. Uh, Trainwreck, what do you think about the abs? Uh, 100% agree with the Kroenke take. So, my beef with that is I'm a diehard New Orleans Saints fan. So, I know oh, the, my cousins still live in St. Louis. My grandparents live there. I go there every year. So I felt for them when the whole Rams debacle went down and the shit show with Kroenke went down. So that's what turned me into an avid Kroenke hater too. So obviously this is not a team I can root for, but I mean, I'd be lying if I said they're not fun to watch, man. I mean, watching Nathan McKinnon on ice is just, it's something special. I mean, the kid just shows up every game and they got a great supporting cast around them too. I mean, granted they lost game one to Dallas and (laughs) I cannot believe that, but uh, yeah. I don't know. I think they still should be, you know, considered favorites to go all the way just because of the way McKinnon's playing and just the way, I mean, granted, game one isn't a testament to that, but the way it just seemed like they gelled together and the way they just, you know, they got good team chemistry. And I think, you know, I think they'll come back and win a series against Dallas. And uh, I mean, I honestly think they should be the favorite to win the cup. But I am not cheering for them. They're, they're, they're definitely a favorite. I, I think. I think when if whenever the inevitable you know Vegas Colorado matchup happens, that's going to be a bloodbath. Um, and by the way, just you know, just I, I visited New Orleans uh, last year, 
And I be in speaking of Cronkies Rams, I knew not to say the words pass interference in, in New Orleans because I would not have oh, yeah. the reception would not have been pleasant. So trembling, um, those two words give me PTSD, man. No words can <laughs> can I'll go on for too long and this is a hockey podcast. So. Exactly. Uh so we'll we'll go ahead and shift it over to Wags here. Uh Abs, your thoughts. Stan Crocky, I can't in any way support them I, I i can't and it's just like train wreck said i mean they've got talent for days uh they're the only team that i look at that has forwards that can score and play defense defensemen that can play defense and score and two goaltenders that can shut the door down and that's saying something because i don't even really remember who their goaltenders are because uh, <laughs> they're just they're not they're not those household names they're not the carry price they're not the mark andre Fleury. they're not any of those guys but they they play solidly um and i tell you what kale mccarr man he is going to be phenomenal in this league so i i'm in agreement with train wreck i think really they're the in my mind, they might be the favorites to come out of the West. And that's saying something because Vegas is so deep. But when McKinnon gets going, when Landeskog gets going, when Rantanen gets going, when McCarr gets going, uh, they've got Johnson back there on the back end who's developed into not quite a number one talent level, number one pick talent level, but a solid defenseman. Very steady for them. Yeah, they, they're, yeah they're just good. So I, I don't want to root for them. I'm not throwing my allegiance behind them, but I would not be shocked if they're the representative from the West in the finals. Oh, me neither, definitely. And it, it, you also got Kadri, who's, you know, playing very well for him as mm-hmm. well and seems to really have, a, have assimilated very well there. By the way, the goaltender answers you were looking for, Wags, were Philip Grubauer and Pavel Francois. So. Ah, yeah. So a guy from France? sure but let, let's go with that let's let the like, guy from france the guy from france yes grubauer <laughs> and the guy from france okay um and then of course uh, on the flip side of that you have the dallas stars who have one actually the one remaining former st louis two actually duh uh the first one was obviously ben bishop you know who, of course the pride of chaminade high school here in st louis um the one that got away you know whenever we had you know, Halak and Elliot, and we just didn't have room for the poor guy. Um, and then they still have Roman Polak, the guy that I've totally forgot about, but he is still earning an NHL paycheck for them. I was about to say, man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. I know. It's, 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 yeah, I, we have not opened the Polak door in a long time here in St. Louis. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, he's an oldie bit goodie. Um, you know, and of course we're recording this after they took the one to nothing lead. Uh, their issue has been scoring this whole playoffs. They, they, they figured it out, I think a little bit. I mean, just in that, in that, in that game one, but in terms of like rootability, you know, I, I personally have a lot of respect for Dallas stars fans. I went to see the blues and stars a couple of years ago in Dallas. And even though the stars won, the fans were cool as hell um it was i mean they were they were they they knew their stuff they were very you know just glad to just chat about hockey uh they were even they even offered you know legit condolences after the uh uh game was done i mean it it was really cool and you know they they got a good arena they got a a good setup you know it's i i gained a lot of respect for them and then of course last year you know and that you know that that game that seven game series that i keep harping on here on this podcast um, I, I respect them in the same way like you respect a, a warrior after going or, or, like, or like a boxer after you go 15 rounds with them. You know, it's, it's, it's to me, it's just it, it's more like a warrior's respect with Dallas. 
I don't think I'll back them. I would probably back them over Colorado for sure. Um, mm. But a uh, lot, lot they, they tick a lot of boxes for me. Uh, train wreck, uh, of course, you're down in the south. What do you think about uh, the, the Dallas Stars? Yeah, so coming from LSU, you know, big uh, Houston pole, big Dallas pole over there. So I had a bunch of friends who I met in college who were big Stars fans. And about out of them, I'd say there's about six or seven of them. Only one's a total dickhead. <laughs> so uh they're not you know not bad i mean i don't know like i said i don't know if i can get my allegiance behind them uh but i mean i'm a big fan of sagan i mean ben bishop obviously i mean he was like i said a damn warrior that uh game seven we played against them i mean he was a damn brick wall i mean it was tough yeah. for him not to get the win but uh i mean i would love i guess if i had to choose coming into here i would pick the stars over the avalanche of the series for sure uh, I would root for them, but I mean, other than that, I mean, I just think also very, very meh, you know. Yeah. I like like you said, I do have respect for the fans. Like me and my friends are doing some friendly drawing and stuff like that, and you know, they're not the ones who kind of take offense to it. So, you know, like, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> I can't yeah. Even it. Just like yeah. And by the way, if any of your Stars friends want to do a podcast, we are looking for Dallas, a new Dallas Stars show here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, our good buddy Michael Farley is jumping to the okay. Oilers podcast. So this is an official job advertisement. Oh. If you or uh, right. if you know anyone that's a Stars fan that would love to talk about the Stars and the Hockey Podcast Network, inquire with him. Absolutely, yeah. I'll uh, I'll put my head around. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But Wags, your your thoughts on the Stars? Uh, this is the team that I was going to throw my weight behind. Um, I, I I'm a big Ben Bishop fan. Yeah. Uh, I do like Tyler Sagan. Not a huge fan of Jamie Benn because he's kind of, you know, a little bit of a dick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to an extent. About how much of a dick he is. Yeah, yeah. So, but I just, out of the four teams that are left, you know, they're the one that seems to be suffering like the Blues did last year. And I wouldn't mind seeing them get the cup. Uh, like you said, Roman Polak is, is a part of that team. He's not playing up in the bubble. He didn't travel with them up there, so he's not a part of that team, so he wouldn't be able to lift the cup. Uh, but just to just to get the chance to see Ben Bishop do that uh, would be worth yeah. it enough for me. Uh, so I don't I don't want to throw my weight behind any of the Western Conference teams because I wanted it to be the Blues. But if any team would get it, it would be Dallas. I'm I'm actually more so on the Eastern side of things uh, for where I really am am looking to root for teams. Uh, but in the West, I, I would probably go with Dallas. Yeah, if I didn't make this pact with my Blackhawks fan uh, a friend with Vegas, Dallas would probably be the team that I back. In fact, I'll probably still throw at least some love behind them, at least to get through uh, Colorado, although that's a pretty tall order. Yeah. Uh, but let's go ahead and shift over to the East now, since we have uh, four teams over there. We'll start off with uh, the number one seeded Philadelphia Flyers. Um, only one former St. Louis Blue, technically uh, Chris Stewart, is still hanging around, and he uh, is a Philadelphia Flyer. They picked him up during the season. Um, Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee, those are the picks that the Blues sent for Braden Shen. So kind of sort of a Blues connection there. Um, but, yeah, they, they're, they're, those are two young forwards that they're thinking very big things for. Um, a bit of an underdog story this year. You know, they, they kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. They were the number four seed going into the round robin, and uh, they shut the doubters up by taking the number one seed coming out of the Eastern Conference. And um, 
they had some issues with Montreal uh, in the first round, but they, they got through them, and now they're taking on a very game uh, New York Islanders uh, team who took out Washington Capitals and took out their coach in the process as well. As Todd Reardon, former Blue, got fired today. Um, but, yeah, the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, let's go to you, Trainwreck, first of all. Philadelphia Flyers, are you mad at them as well? No, I am – all my eggs are in the Flyers basket for the rest of the Stanley Cup. There's this team, all right. And so, a couple reasons, mainly because they're kind of like – even though they do have two Stanley Cups, their last one didn't come uh, – 1975, I believe, was their last one. They've been in a drought, you know. They got a gritty team. I mean, Carter Hart and Gold is phenomenal. Uh, you know, you I want to see Claude lift the cup uh, – too. And then, obviously, uh, the Lindblom story, too. I mean, who knows if he's going to be on skates again. But, obviously, you know, it's a great feel-good story. They <laughs> – no offense to uh, Louie, but they have the best mascot in the game. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just uh, – and one of my friends, his mom's from Philadelphia, so he's – and not bandwagon. He was with them since I met him in college. And so he's uh, over at my house all the time in New Orleans, too. He wears the same uh, Claude jersey every game, doesn't wash it. So – I said, when the, if the Blues get out, fuck it, I'm going to ride with you. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm riding with the Flyers. All right. You know, and, and you know what? You're right. Gritty is love. Gritty is life. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and I get the sense by your reaction, uh, Wags, that uh, Philly is your team as well. Yeah, they are. They remind me so much of the Blues from last year. They've got a young goaltender who's stealing games. They've got a good defensive system. They're a grinded out kind of team. They've got multiple lines that can score. They've got older veterans that are making big impacts. They have younger guys that are making big impacts. And like Trainwreck said, you add the Limbolm story into that. And we had Layla last year. They've got Oscar Limbolm now. Yeah. Uh, I just I just think I just think everything's lining up. And don't forget, the Blues run started last year in Philadelphia. So if this is the way we return the favor, I'm all for it. There we mm-hmm. go. You know what? I- I was very on the fence about the Flyers just because I don't like their fan base at all. You know, this is the same fan base that threw snowballs at Santa Claus and batteries at J.D. Drew. Um, you know, so that's... I about the J.D. Drew incident. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Philly fans can be brutal, but you know what? I'm Scumbag Philly. You, you, Wags, you kind of won me over with the, you know, not just the they've suffered for a while thing, but also for the fact that, yeah... The Blues, Gloria, phenomenon started in a bar in Philadelphia. So, um, you know, I, I, they're not going to be my team in the East, but I'll I, just like kind of like with Dallas, I'll throw them some love. I'll throw them some love. I'll, I'll if if they're, you know, depending on who they face in the finals, I mean, they may be my team in the finals. You know, I'll, I'll give them that. I'm not going to give them my full backing, but you kind of convinced me there, Wags, uh, with, the, with the whole Jack Spar thing. Um, next team, uh, is the New York Islanders, the team that the Flyers are facing another team that has no St. Louis blues connections on them, but Scott Mayfield, their defenseman is a St. Louisan. He graduated from Webster Groves high school and he is uh, one of their uh, defenders. So a little bit of a St. Louis connection there. Um, but, uh, besides that, I mean, the, the thing with the Islanders, and we kind of talked about this with Gabriel Foley a couple weeks ago, is they're kind of a boring team. You know, mm-hmm. they, 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 they play a very slow, boring kind of a style. Um, and they just, I mean, I mean, I think Barry Trotz is a heck of a coach, but 
as a blues fan, I'm not finding a lot of reason to back them really. I mean, what do you think train wreck? Uh, there's no reason as a blues fan for me to back them, but I, you know, I thought it was hilarious that Barry, you know, was the one to eliminate the capitals from the playoffs. So that kind of gave me a little point point to New York there. Uh, the only one of the things, though, and this is a really dumb reason too, I cannot stand Anders Lee for some reason. <laughs> First off, he has one of the most punchable faces in the NBA. Agreed. Two, Anders is the epitome of NBA. But uh, I mean, I you know, I kind of like the you know, kind of underdog going into it. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying I'm going to root for them, but I mean, you know, who doesn't like a good little underdog story? This team coming up. Uh, you know, playing the number one seed right now. If they can pull it off, great for them. But I'm still riding with Philly. I just – I don't know, man. Andres Lee just rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, you know, he's he's a former Notre Dame fighting Irish, so I, I have to like him at least a little bit. Uh, you know, I lived, I spent some time in South Bend, did some, you know, work for the fighting Irish athletics, you know. So, they, they – I got to back him a little bit, but I do agree. He's a he's an absolute punk to play against. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He does have a very punchable face. <laughs> confirm that uh all right wags your thoughts on the islanders uh if they weren't playing philadelphia i would i would be in on them uh mm -hmm. just the, just for the simple fact that you know they their, their guy tavares bolted for toronto toronto's out which is wonderful uh but they've <laughs> continued to be better you know, Matthew Barzell is a guy that's a star in the making. Uh, Casey Sezikis is, is pretty darn good as well. But the fact that Anthony Beauvillier has kind of broken onto the scene, that is just testament to the development that the Islanders are, are really kind of going for and bringing just consistent stars to the surface. Uh, and you can get frustrated, frustrated with Barry Trotz's system all you want. But look what he did in Nashville for so long. Look what he did in Washington, and look what he's doing in New York, in New York right now. You can't say that you don't want to see that guy lift the cup again. Uh, I, I'm not against the Islanders, but like Trainwreck, Philly is my ride or die team. So unfortunately, uh, I'm just gonna have to put them off to the side and hope maybe next year they get it. That's fair. <laughs> that is, that is absolutely fair. Uh, next team is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, they have uh, former Blues Kevin Shattenkirk and Pat Maroon, so very strong Blues connections there, especially with Maroon. Plus, mm -hmm. uh, Braden Shen's brother Luke plays for them as well, Luke Shen. Um, so you got a few Blues connections there. Uh, this is my Eastern team, and the only reason for that is because I was born in Tampa. I lived three years of my life there, which isn't really long enough to establish a connection but I have a lot of family down there. It's kind of like, you know, Trina's roots, you know, with St. Louis, you know, the, and the family connection with St. Louis. For me, that I, it's, it's with, like that with me in Tampa. Um, Tampa, before Vegas came in, was my second team. I consider them probably like my third team now, um, just in terms of rooting preference. Um, they got a very talented squad. They, they got jobbed out of the playoffs last year by Columbus. They don't have to worry about that anymore. They, they, they slayed that demon. And uh, let's just face it, folks, they're playing Boston. And uh, can I get a fuck Boston in, you know, among our listeners right now? Fuck Boston. Really fuck Boston. Boston. Fuck them hard. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, your thoughts. Uh, let's go to Trainwreck. Uh, thoughts on the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, there's something evil about me that wanted to see Columbus sweep them out again. Same here. That so yeah. I just – I want, at that five-overtime game, the minute point it scored been to win it. The, the minute point scored to win it, 
I knew it's not you know the series is Tampa, but I mean, I mean obviously star-studded, powerful, great team. Kucherov, you know, Braden Point's been playing really well, and you know my heart is still with the big rig. So if there's the only reason why I'm going to cheer for Tampa, it's for Pat Maroon to get another another ring. But and fun fact, Pat Maroon is the only player that can repeat as the champion now. Ah. Yeah, he's the last remaining member of the last year's Blues that's still in the playoffs. So, yeah, and I like uh, Vasilevsky too in goal. I mean, you know, when he's locked in, he's one of the best tenders in the league, and you can't stop him. But I mean, it's going to be a real fun series between the Bees and the Lightning. But obviously, I'm going to be cheering for the Lightning in this. But it's going to be fun to watch, though. I mean, it's going to be scrappy. It's going to be gritty, and overall, I just think it's going to be great hockey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, Wags, your thoughts on the Lightning? I'm the same way. I feel like this is going to be – this might be the best series of the four that we're going to have because both teams are talented. Both teams are, are proven that they can go deep in the playoffs. Uh, they both got – I mean, the, the one thing that Tampa Bay has going for them is the fact that it's going to be Vasilevsky versus Yarrow Halak. Mm-hmm. So the, the goaltending will make the difference in this series. And Vasilevsky is just – he's a beast. I mean, he reminds me – not because of the spectacular saves, but just because he makes the saves that he needs to. He reminds me a lot of Dominic Hasek. Uh, you know, he's flexible. He's very, very bendy. Uh, he, he makes saves that he has no business making. And if there was ever a goaltender that should have won a Stanley Cup, it's Dominic Hasek. And yeah. Vasilevsky can kind of, in my mind, put to bed that, that stigma of, of certain goalies can't win Stanley Cups. And I really like Tampa. Um, I, I'm excited for a potential Tampa-Philly matchup, to be honest with you. So, uh, I, I do like Tampa. Yeah, if that series happens, that's going to be a real fun series. Also, Victor Hedman, in my opinion, best pound-for-pound defenseman in the league right now. Agreed. Got the size. He's, he's, he's got everything you would ever want in a dream defenseman. Uh, except maybe the health. But, you know, he's, he, he's, he, he, gets, he seems to be a guy that gets his nicks and injuries here and there. But if he's healthy, it's, it's hard, hard to bet against any team he's playing on. And then finally, last and certainly least, the Boston Bruins. Um, they have, of course, former Blue, uh, Blue goaltender Enigma Yaroslav Halak, who is starting for them now because Duke Rass said bye, Felicia, to the, to the bubble. Um, but um, after last year and just in general, fuck Boston. Uh, I don't think there is going to be a single St. Louisan that is going to back Boston or at least a, a blues fan that would back Boston after last year. I just don't see it. Um, train wreck. You're, you're on the fuck Boston bandwagon, right? Oh, of course. I mean, it's always been fuck Boston, whether the Red Sox, you know, the Celtics, anybody from Boston, just not a fan, but I mean, their own goaltender who is, Oh, everybody sucks off to grass. Like he is God bolted on him. Yeah. Well, he said, and nobody know, you know, that reason's not public, but he, even what was the quote he said before? He's like, man, we're just trying to have fun and it's hard or something. Next day, he just runs away. I mean, you just, <laughs> well, not, only that, not only that, but he got his ass slid up in the last yes. game he played in. And then he decided to get out of there. I, I guess part of the excuse, I guess his wife is pregnant. So I guess yeah. they just had a, just, they just had a kid, right? I think just had a kid right they, before they he did left. have it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So that's, I mean, in that case, that's fine. But, you know, I've always kind of questioned Rask's heart a little bit anyway, you know, mm-hmm. especially after that game in game seven of the Stanley Cup finals where Boston needed a big name from him and he didn't do very well at all. 
You know, mm-hmm. he, so I, I wouldn't be actually I wouldn't be surprised if Rask is gone from Boston in the offseason. He's uh um they're not very happy with him in Boston. Let's oh just- no, and then I mean and granted, you know, the only reason why I would say anything is because I like Halak, and I think Halak's a great goaltender. I mean, granted, Rusk and Rask and Halak are a great one-two combo in goal, right. but I cannot get behind any team that has Brad Marchand on it. No, no, fuck cannot Brad do it. And uh, I'm absolutely fed up with Chara as well. I mean, I like Pasta. I think Pasta's a great player. You know, they do have a great team, but there's just in terms of me supporting them, there's a better chance of me getting ice water in hell than that. Or, or, or at least, or at least having ice water survive more than 30 seconds down in new Orleans. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll see, man. Uh, it's, uh, I feel, I see the calm before the storm right now. <laughs> well, I, I can hear the calm before the storm right now. It sounds, you know, I'll admit though, it, it the, 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 the wildlife sounds right now in new Orleans sound very much like the wildlife here in Missouri. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's a fit. It's a fit. I love. I love the ambient sound here. Um, yeah. Flags for the final. Fuck Boston. Go for it. Uh, well, first off, fuck Boston. That's how you always start your conversations about any Boston team. Is that yeah. first of all, fuck Boston? But go yeah, on. get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> I, of the same boat. I, I like Yaroslav Halak. I, you know, he kind of got the raw end of the stick here in St. Louis. I don't think he he got a fair chance. Uh, I'd like to see him win. If David Backus were still on this team, I would probably be pushing a little bit harder for Boston because of, of just my affinity for David Backus and what he meant to sure. St. Louis and the Blues and to get mm-hmm. him to, to win the Cup. I, it hurt me last year that they were the team that we were going up against because David Backus was on there. And all I've wanted for the last 15 years was for David Backus to win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> and the chance he gets to do it, it's against the fucking St. Louis Blues, and yeah. I want them to win. <laughs> so, you know – but, but now that he's in Anaheim, I can honestly say that Boston's had their time. Their championship run is over. The St. Louis Blues ended the drought against Boston teams from St. Louis. So I, just go away. Just go yeah. away, Boston, and just make it a sweep and make it, make it super easy for Tampa to sit around in the bubble, get soft, and then Philly can just wipe them off the floor in the, in the next round. Yeah, definitely it's time for Tampa to clap them. Just, just absolutely clap them. Um, so, so to recap for, you know, so if you're listening and you're still trying to figure out who you're going to support for me in the West, it's Vegas with an assist to Dallas East. It's the lightning with an assist to the flyers, uh, train wreck, uh, again, you know, your, your picks, your, who, who you're backing. I got uh ride, ride or die with the fly all the way in okay. the West. Uh, no, sorry. In the East and the West. I mean, God, everybody just kind of pisses me off in the west so i'm just gonna I'm, we're, we're doing it to the stars i'll just cut dallas doing doing stars i mean, i guess got it but even then it's just still very meh very meh yeah so so ride or die philly uh philly and then wags ride or die philly ride or die philly um the, the stars in the in the west are probably the team i'd like to see win uh but i think colorado's coming out of it but for my betting it's philly and dallas are, are the two that i'm backing okay well, 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 I think as uh, the playoffs go on, we'll uh, uh, let's get some updates on our teams uh, for the for for the next weekend beyond. You know, uh, as uh, the playoffs go on, obviously we can't talk about how the Blues are doing in the playoffs because they lost. But um, anyway, um, awkward. Um, but anyway, that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Notes. Oh, before we go, uh, a couple things here. Number one, uh, expect 
a new logo for Blue Notes next week. Um, our artist is feverishly working on a new logo for us. Uh, we should have it by midweek. Hopefully, knock on wood. And uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, looking forward to revamping our logo for, the, uh, for Blue Notes going forward. And then next week, I, I feel pretty safe in saying this. We still have to work out a time to record with them. But St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Blues beat writer Jim Thomas will be on Blue Notes next week. Uh, we try to get him on today, but uh, he is traveling back from Edmonton today, and he's traveling like all day today. He, he warned me it was going to be a rough day for him for travel. Um, so that's uh, we couldn't get him on today. We will get him on next week uh, to talk about what went wrong in Edmonton from a man who was there to witness it with his own eyes. So I'm um, looking forward to that. Uh, Wags, any final thoughts? I'm looking forward to that Jim Thomas interview. Uh, like you said, getting the insight of what life was like inside the bubble uh, as a journalist, let alone a player, is going to be absolutely huge. And I, I just want to caution all Blues fans out there. Don't get down on this team because of what happened in the bubble. Okay, This is going to be a good team going forward. They won the Stanley Cup last year. There's so many positive signs going forward with this team. We have a lot of youth coming up in Perunovic and Kostin and other guys. Torpchenko is a guy that I really still think you should keep an eye on. Don't forget about him, yep. Don't forget about him. But So just the future is still bright for this team. Don't get down on, on them because of what happened in, in Edmonton. And just be positive. It, it, it wasn't our year. We'll be back. All right. And then Trainwreck, any final thoughts from, uh, from Nolans? Uh, well, final thoughts is y'all say a prayer for me. Uh, we can see how the storm goes. Uh, but then, uh, basically it's just, you know, one glad to be here. Glad to be a part of this team right now. I, yeah. I'm being wags definitely vibing. I feel like we think alike right now. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, man, I'm looking forward, uh, you know, here going on out. And like Wags said too, I mean, Edmonton, screw it. Never happened. Time to move forward and we're going to be all right. And uh, we're looking forward to having you back on next week, uh, broadcasting live from your kayak. As, uh, yeah, yeah, this your, is not, it'll be. I'll have a little better setup next time, I promise. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah, sounds. Yeah, I know you, you got that headset on order, so. Uh, yeah, so hopefully it's in, and I'll be semi-professional. Ah, uh, looking forward to it. You, you, you did fine. You did fine. Uh, uh, Appreciate it, boys. Thank you. Thanks so, thanks so much for joining us, Trainwreck, and of course, thank you for listening. Because without you, there is no me, there is no Wags, there is no Trainwreck, and there is no Tom Franklin. Uh, and I am Tom Franklin, reminding you to not be a jump and always play to the whistle. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.